From Connects Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. We started Atlanta Born and Brand back in 2018 with the goal of bringing to light the incredible small businesses and entrepreneurs that make this city unique. Last year, we expanded our focus to give you a peek behind the curtain at some of the city's most iconic brands. We want to bring you stories from the whole spectrum of Atlanta culture. There are extraordinary organizations and companies in every corner of our city, both big and small. And this season, we can't wait to dig in even deeper into the people behind them. Our mission for this show is that you know about and care about your neighbors. Because Atlanta is our city, and this is our story. Hi y'all, it's me, Catherine, back on the podcast because this week I'll be taking over the intro as well as the interview today. This is my first go around at this and I got to have a really incredible and enlightening conversation that I can't wait for y'all to hear. Over 30 years ago, 12 friends sat down and came up with an idea that would make volunteering in their community easier and more accessible. From there, Hands On Atlanta was born. Hands On has become a one-stop shop to bring together Atlanta volunteers and nonprofits. Their organization supports over 150 nonprofits in the Atlanta area and has daily opportunities for volunteers. From one-time micro-volunteering to a full-year program with AmeriCorps, there's something to fit everyone's schedule. Listen in as I sit down with Jay Cranman, President and CEO of Hands On Atlanta, to hear about the good work they're doing and how we can each step up to help meet the needs of others. So Hands on Atlanta was started in 1989, so 33 years ago. Okay. Uh, and the story goes it was 12 friends who got together at Manuel's Tavern. They each put $20 in a beer stein uh, because they had an idea that it was too hard for people to volunteer. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to create an organization that would just remove some of that friction. So 33 years ago, there was no internet, so that looked like setting up signboards and parks and sending out actual physical... Um, kind of periodicals to people in Atlanta to try to showcase a bunch of ways that people could more easily serve. Uh, we're actually here at 970 Jefferson. This used mm -hmm. to be the old Atlanta Community Food Bank. Uh, and this was where the first ever uh, project was held. Okay. So at the time, you know, it was difficult for people in the Atlanta community to connect with nonprofits in a way that was really episodic. So nonprofits were looking for long-term commitments, mm -hmm. but they weren't necessarily looking for someone just to show up on a Tuesday for one shift or on a Saturday for one shift. So Hands in Atlanta really created that idea of what's now called episodic volunteering, which gives people a lot more opportunities to get out and serve in the community. Amazing. Um, so yeah, explain kind of how that works, the episodic volunteering. How do you sign up? How do you guys work with the different partner organizations that you have? Um, I saw, I read a little bit about um, creating a team of people that you sure. can work with. So just tell us a little bit about that. Well, all of that was to say that was where the spark started. So mm -hmm. the spark was around how do we find it more easy for people to volunteer? Yes. And I would just add to the previous story that, you know, there was also, I think, um, you know, when I talked to the original founders of the organization, there was a, uh, a sentiment about their generation, that it was what they were calling the selfish generation. Yeah. And what they knew was that, that it wasn't true, that they and their friends had all these good intentions to give back, but that they were working professionals and it was difficult. Mm -hmm. And so they felt like they just needed a little bit of support. And so that was, I just wanted to kind of add that to the yeah, previous. Yeah. But 
you know, when you fast forward 33 years, the idea around that is still live and well today at Hands on Atlanta. So we're still an organization that tries to remove barriers and make it easier for people in the Atlanta community uh, to give back. To your point, um, anyone can come to a website. We support right now about 150 different nonprofits in the Atlanta community. Wow. Those nonprofits tell us their needs, what they have in terms of volunteer needs. Uh, and by the way, I should mention, we've gone beyond volunteering to all the ways in which people can become civically engaged. Um, so sometimes the things that you would find in our portal may not sound exactly like a volunteer project, mm -hmm. which we're fine with, as long as it's really doing something good for the community. Yeah. But these 150 nonprofits, they tell us all of their needs. Uh, we then publish those needs in our portal and we try to then recruit Atlantans to kind of go fill those. And they could be as, uh, as simple as showing up one time at the Atlanta Community Food Bank. We support about 50 different food pantries across the Atlanta community. So a lot of work around food insecurity. Mm -hmm. A lot of the projects on our uh, portal support education in the Atlanta community. So pandemic learning loss and other things over the last several years have really elevated the need to get more people involved in education. So just Saturday, my family and I we're serving at Usher Collier Elementary School on one of our programs. Um, so there's all kinds of educational needs. Um, and then there's even, um, we go as far as um, uh, asking folks to serve a year. So we have uh, an AmeriCorps program oh, okay. where we invite people to come in and serve as either tutors or social emotional learning coaches um, in school. So you got everything from that kind of start of that episodic of, hey, just come out for one three hour mm -hmm. project handing out food all the way up to, hey, spend a year of your life, maybe doing a gap year or right out of college, uh, really being of service to the Atlanta community. That's amazing. And I mean, if, if you think about too, the world was very fast paced in the 80s. It's certainly sped up even now. So that's the, I didn't know about the AmeriCorps thing. That's very cool. Um, I wanna touch on the pandemic, but first I yeah. wanna know a little bit about your background and where your passion for this work came from because being the CEO of a nonprofit is a very different life path than you know going to work for a Fortune 500 company or something. So, tell me a little bit about your background, where you went to school, just kind of you know where your sure. heart for this work started. Well, I have that Fortune 500. So I started. Uh, so I went to college at Florida State. Uh, oh, I was, I'm a Gator. Oh, so sorry. Can we end <laughs> this interview at this point? Um, I, uh, so I, uh, I was born and raised in Atlanta, but okay. when I was 12 years old, we moved down to South Florida and I stayed in Florida to go to college. And after college, um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So it was 1997, mm -hmm. uh, we were just approaching Y2K and I, I lucked into <laughs> this opportunity to go work for what was then called Anderson Consulting, it is now called Accenture. Uh, and I was okay. a consultant for about seven years, traveled the world, got to work across all kinds of different places here in the US and globally, uh, and really loved that work. Uh, but when I met my now wife, we decided that living and working in the same city uh, would be great. And so we were both traveling 100%. So she was working here in Atlanta. So we decided to move up to Atlanta, which was kind of coming home for me. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife's from Puerto Rico. So she said this is Very as far cool. north as she was willing to go <laughs> uh, and as far away from her home island uh, as she was willing to, to live. Uh, but so we moved here to uh, Atlanta and it was um, 
a really great opportunity for us to um, find it. The, the lights here in the in the room just kind of <laughs> went crazy. Okay. Um, but we so we moved here. So anyway, so um, so I continued working for uh, then another consulting firm. I did that for another five or seven years, uh, and then I went through a leadership program called Leadership Buckhead, mm -hmm. and it was a really catalytic moment for me. Um, I went through the program, and then I started becoming a volunteer in that program. And really, I found myself spending a lot of my uh, time when asked from friends about what was I up to, what was the cool thing I was doing. I wasn't ever talking about work, but I was talking about all of my volunteer opportunities and these things that I was doing on the side. And I really learned to really love volunteering. I spent about 10 years volunteering uh, kind of with this leadership program. Um, but at one point, I went to work for a startup, and then I, uh, I got an opportunity to go work for what's an organization called Points of Light. And Hands on Atlanta okay. is a member of a federated network. So there's mm -hmm. about 250 organizations like Hands on Atlanta around the globe. So there's Hands on London and Hands on Tokyo. And okay. there's a bunch of organizations that don't have the words hands on. So there's New York Cares and Boston Cares and all kinds of different names. So we don't have the same name, but there's this network of organizations. So Points of Light is the organization that really um, helps to uh, facilitate and mobilize that entire network. So okay. um, I had an opportunity to go work at Points of Light, um, which was my first kind of rodeo in the nonprofit sector. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just learned to love it. I thought I was going uh, maybe for a year or two to just learn a new sector and to try to kind of grow myself. And that was now probably close to 15 years ago. And it was, been a, it was a great change. So I spent about seven years working at Points of Light when the opportunity at Hands on Atlanta opened up. Um, and I had loved the work I was doing on a global stage, but I felt a little disconnected from it, right? So I wasn't able to, you know, see the impact, yeah, actually right. go out to volunteer projects, be in the space of the work mm -hmm. that we were doing as much. Uh, and so this was a really natural uh, evolution and a, and a great shift for me. And so now I've been in this role for um, almost seven years. That's amazing. No turning back once you get into it. No too. turning back, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we've talked about a few times more... Um, so in the lines of, you know, when you're voting for politicians and things, the you can feel disconnected from it on a, a national scale, but it's like the people that are really in your community that you see every day, that's where you get invested and that's where you feel like you can make a difference. So Yeah, yeah. just to add to that, you know, I you know, I spent seven years at Points of Light, mostly here in Atlanta, by the way. So Points of Light is headquartered here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So it was a, a you know, a big part of this Atlanta community. Uh, but I, I rarely got to go out and see projects. But as I mentioned, even on Saturday, I was in one of our schools meeting our principal, serving with students, and it was such a great proximity. So kind of being proximate to the problems that we're trying to solve, I think, is a big part of what continues to motivate you me. You are very literally hands-on. We are hands-on, yes, and I am personally. <laughs> um, so the pandemic, obviously, big elephant in the room. We yeah, still... Not a fan. No, not at all. Two thumbs down to that. Um, still recovering from that, you know, as a community in Atlanta. The peak of COVID, you would think, is a time when people were most in need, when people needed volunteers the most. How did you guys navigate that? How did that, you know, kind of affect your organization and wanting to keep people safe, but still wanting to meet these needs that I'm sure were arising around that time? Yeah, you know, that question brings up a couple of thoughts to me. The first is, you know, we also are a staff. We're an organization yes. that were a bunch of frontline workers during mm -hmm. the pandemic. And so a lot of Absolutely. my time and a lot of our senior leadership team's efforts went into how do we keep our own team safe and mm -hmm. how do we make sure we're managing uh, the kind of internal dynamics. 
Um, but to your point, we were living at a time and, and running an organization at a time when we were seeing just uh, the challenges in the Atlanta community um, really become exponential. I think that, you know, I was talking to um, the head of the food bank, Kyle Wade, um, the other day, and at the peak, you know, there was a two to 300% increase in the number of people and families in the Atlanta community who were looking for food assistance during the mm -hmm. pandemic. So early on, we got a call from the food bank and the food bank said, hey, we know that the needs for food are gonna rise significantly over the next several months, if not years. Uh, and we are great, the food bank being, we're great at getting food out into the community. Yeah. But what we need are people there to receive that food, to put that food, in, food into, you know, individual packages and to pack that food and mm -hmm. to then to distribute that food into, into the trunks of cars for families. Is that something that we can rely on Hands on Atlanta to do? And of course we said yes. And yeah. then we started to quickly mobilize our volunteers and our team to pivot because a lot of our other nonprofits were shutting their doors. Okay. They either weren't accepting volunteers because they didn't feel like it was safe. Maybe they were downsizing, so they might've accepted larger groups, but then they downsized in order to have only smaller groups in order to support social distancing. Mm -hmm. So there were all kinds of ways that we were seeing our network of nonprofits and schools really change. And so we also had to kind of be really agile and shift to meet the needs. So I'm very proud of the work that we were able to do over the course of the pandemic. We really moved a lot of our efforts into food insecurity, doubled down on education, really started to, and um, I'm very proud of the work we've been doing around racial equity, mm -hmm. uh, and then sustainability had also become another big focus. So we were able to, um, you know, pre-pandemic, we would mobilize about 30,000 people a year. During the pandemic, we were able to maintain that same number of people coming, coming through the platform. So, awesome. you know, we were very proud of the ability to sustain that, even though we always want to see growth, but yeah. we were able to sustain it during the pandemic, which felt really good. And I was very inspired by the Atlantans who were, you know, just, I would say, you know, found it impossible to sit on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. Again, even when it's scary, even when their own health was at risk and we didn't know what the pandemic was going to bring, people were showing up to serve their neighbors in a way that was really, truly inspiring. Atlanta is really good about that. I feel like we, um, it sounds a little cheesy to, you know, Atlanta is the city of ashes, but time and time again, people prove that that, you know, spirit, however many years later is still true that, you know, in times of need, the community I think is really great about rallying around people and lifting people up. I wanna, I, I wanna say yes and to that. I love the city, born and raised. I've made this my home. I run an organization with the word Atlanta in the name. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a big booster for the city of Atlanta and I don't think that there's a better city. And yet, I think there's a lot of room for us to grow. Absolutely. There are tremendous unmet needs. Mm -hmm. So as proud as I am of the 30,000 Atlantans who came through and volunteered with our partners, we need about 100,000 to yeah. just be meeting the needs of our 150 partners. Uh, and by the way, there are about 10,000 nonprofits in the city. We're only working with 150. And we're seeing those needs really escalate. Mm -hmm. I'm on the phone every day with nonprofit leaders who are finding it difficult to simply staff their work. Big Brothers Big Sisters has waiting lists for people to become bigs or for their littles. Uh, I was talking to organizations trying to recruit people to become foster parents. They're really struggling. We're struggling to meet the needs of people to come out and just fill the, the episodic volunteer opportunities that we're promoting to the community. So as good as we are, and you're right, I'm, I'm always very proud of the way in which Atlantans will rise up to meet the current challenges, and mm -hmm. it's very inspiring. I just want people to know that there's also a tremendous more that we as a community need to be doing. Of course. Um, so that kind of goes into my next question was, 
just some of the areas of work that you've seen needs rise and you've touched on that a little bit. The thing that really interests me um, was the education aspect of it, yeah. which I think is kind of a new thing with the kids having been out of school for so long and just needing that additional help. So talk a little bit about that and just kind of what some, the work some of those organizations are doing. Well, so we've seen a tremendous amount of decline um, you know, over, over the course of the pandemic. The pandemic learning loss has been extreme. Mm -hmm. I was listening to um, an NPR story today reporting on the kind of the results, or maybe it was the New York Times, I forget. I listened to two podcasts each morning, um, and I'm going to start with now a third, which is y'all's. <laughs> um, but they were just talking about, you know, we are probably 10 to 20 years uh, have backslid in terms of the growth we had seen in terms of our wow. um, learning. So. Um, I'm going to get my statistics perfectly wrong, so, but for the spirit of just illustrating the issue, mm -hmm. on things like literacy, so third grade reading is a really important metric that we look at and that our community looks at as a predictor of future academic success and, and, and students' ability to go to college mm -hmm. and, uh, and career. Uh, only about a third of Atlantans can read at grade level by the end of third grade. So that means two-thirds of our kids are not reading at grade level. That's, wow. a, that's a national statistic. Um, it's about the same here in the Atlantic community, potentially a little bit worse, um, and it follows race and class. So, so we're seeing tremendous issue uh, with reading, with math, with, well, with high school graduation, with post-secondary um, attainment, um, which are really going to show and, and create challenges for the entire state of Georgia mm -hmm. uh, in terms of just creating the opportunity that we know that we want for our state. So we have a real challenge in our state in terms of just getting uh, enough people to fill the jobs that we have. There's a, we're leaving, I, I was reading a McKenzie study the other day that just said, you know, we could right now take everyone who's unemployed, give them a job, and we'd still have jobs remaining open in our state. So, wow. and the challenges McKenzie was suggesting, the, the ways to unlock some of that was with better education, better health, and better transportation. Mm -hmm. That we need to somehow find ways to get more people into those careers, and it starts with as early as pre-K and early childhood education Absolutely. and kindergarten and all the way through. So education is a real challenge and a real opportunity, right? I mean, I think you could look at it and you know, look at it as glass half empty and say, well, we have this real challenge. Or you could look at it and say, wow, look, think about how much more GDP, how much yeah. bigger our economy would be, how much better off our community would be if we were simply able to bring some of these students up the um, platform a little bit better. I, I also wanted to say that, um, you know, we, we think about our work at Hands in Atlanta um, along two different spectrums. The one is what I just described, and it's making an impact in the community. Mm -hmm. We know that we need people to serve and to be mentors and tutors and to distribute food because there are needs that are going on in the community that need to be met, right? There are people uh, that need to be benefiting of it. But the other side of our work is the actual impact on the volunteer. And at a time when depression, lack of connectivity, anxiety, these things are, 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 are massive in our community. One of the number one ways that people can feel better about themselves and their, their, their stake in life is to actually get out and become a volunteer. It immediately changes your, your perspective. You go from thinking about your challenges to thinking about other people. It puts you out in the community. It's good for your physical health. Yeah. Um, there's so many great benefits to the individual. Um, at the height of the pandemic, um, I got a phone call uh, from somebody who had been a longtime volunteer, but over the course of several years had kind of lost, lost connection to the organization. Mm -hmm. And they um, decided to go and volunteer uh, and hand out food at one of our food pantries. And I got a call on their way back, 
And I was asking about how did it go and what was the logistics like and was it safe and was there social distancing or were people wearing masks? And he stopped me in the middle and he said, Jay, I just want to let you know, like I was really depressed today. I was really feeling a victim of all of the mm -hmm. pandemic and all the death and the loss that we're having. And I got out there and I'm feeling so much better right now. Mm -hmm. So you kind of go from being a, from a victim mindset to being an owner mindset of your yeah. community in a way. So I just want to mention that. I think that's a, it's an, we don't often talk about it even in our organization yeah. of the benefits of volunteering to the person volunteering to, Absolutely. to the volunteer yeah. themselves. Absolutely, yeah. And that's such a great point. You know, I, in high school, I did a lot more volunteering in college and everything. Just, I... Well, so what are you going to do this weekend? I know. Got to get, got to get back to it. But, you know, to, I think that's one of the reasons why your organization is so great because when you're you know, in school, at least I'm almost three years post-grad from college. I've found, you know, you have that built-in community already. So those opportunities are easier. And then as you become an adult and you get into the workforce, like it, it's harder to make time for that almost and to find opportunities for that. But I, that's why I, I love organizations like yours and the work that y'all are doing because yeah, it, it does, you know, those people that might feel a little isolated and are looking for a new community are able yeah. to jump into work like this that's making an impact and really making a difference and connect with other volunteers in the organization, connect with the nonprofits that y'all are working with. So Companies have figured this out. You know, there isn't a major corporation in Atlanta that doesn't spend a significant amount of their time and effort trying to build a more engaged workforce. Yeah. And one of their strategies to building engagement inside of their organizations is by making sure they're showcasing to their staff how engaged and how involved they are in their local community. So every year, Hands Atlanta will support, you know, probably two dozen to three dozen companies in helping them develop turnkey opportunities for their employee volunteer programs. And so, you know, Coca-Cola or NCR or Home Depot will call and say, hey, we'd love to get involved in the Atlanta community. We want to get anything from a 200 to a 2,000 person project. Can you guys help us make sure that what we're doing is going to really meet a community need? Mm -hmm. And can y'all basically be the organization that we can turn this over to to make sure it happens? And so we have a team at Hands in Atlanta that does just that. But to your point, I think young professionals and, and anyone looks to the um, looks to the organizations that they're part of, whether you're in a high school, whether you're at college, if you're working, uh, if you're at a church or a synagogue or a mosque, you look to the organizations that you're part of to help be a catalyst to get you more involved in the community. Mm -hmm. And the Atlanta business community has been a really important part of that um, storyline for us. That's wonderful to hear. So you guys, not too long ago, just finished your annual Hands-On Atlanta Week of Volunteering. Um, Tell me just a little bit about that, what that entails, some of the needs that you guys meet. Y'all had, I saw quite a few um, stories on Instagram and everything. It looked yeah. like a good time. It was a great time. We've been doing uh, Hands on Atlanta, started this Hands on Atlanta day and it evolved to Hands on Atlanta week just because we couldn't fit it all into a single day. Mm -hmm. um, so a couple of years ago, we, we created Hands on Atlanta week. Um, so we just finished it. It was Arthur Blank's 80th birthday. So with Arthur, we did eight marquee projects over the course of the week. Uh, which were all fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had about 200 total service projects happening. We engaged close wow. to about 5,000 people uh, in service, which was really a tremendous way. You know, for us, it's really just a, 
you know, we have projects every day. So we are on, on any Tuesday, there are 12 projects on the calendar or 52 yeah. on a Sunday or whatever it is. Um, but when we think about the opportunity to really create a splash in the Atlanta community, it's a little bit of this opportunity to be a reminder. Mm -hmm. We want to try to make it as easy as possible for people in the Atlanta community to just show up and remind themselves of how much fun volunteering can be, how easy it is to kind of get out in the Atlanta community. So this was a really great way for us to remind people, especially coming out of the pandemic, when people had, I think, just learned a little bit of kind of this behavioral norm of being a little bit more reserved, mm -hmm. you were a little bit more comfortable sitting in your own home, kept probably yourself, a little bit yeah. to kept to yourself. I even noticed myself, you know, even when I was walking around grocery stores or out in the public, just I, I was a little bit more afraid of being in proximity to somebody else because yeah. they were a little bit of, that's dangerous. Well, mm -hmm. we needed something like Hands on Atlanta Week to remind folks and to bring people out in mass that, that it is now safe to come out. We can be out in the community. So it was a really, really wonderful week. To segue into, again, days of service, I know that um, MLK days of service are coming up in January. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that um, and why that's so important, especially in a city like Atlanta, to honor yeah. Martin Luther King and his legacy? And Yeah, Dr. King is such an, I mean, I would say, so our MLK's days of service is probably the most important. H Hands on Atlanta week is maybe the biggest week of service that we have for our community, but I think the MLK days of service now, again, like it can't ever fit into a single day anymore. It's now become almost, mm -hmm. you know, a full week of activities. Um, it's such an important um, part of, I think, our, our Atlanta story. Yeah. Um, we're doing a couple of things. Um, the first, I just want to shout out some of our partners. So the King Center, the National Center for Civil and Human Rights, Morehouse College, uh, the History Center, the Carter Center. Uh, we're all part of what we're calling internally uh, the kind of MLK Collective. Okay. Uh, and the goal was to really bring together a bunch of people who are all activating around the King holiday and sharing what are some of the themes and the ideas um, and the, the threads that we all want to try to pull through our collective work. Um, and to make sure we're not stepping on each other's toes. Yeah. Right? We know that we're all better and stronger together. So that's one thing that we're doing is just we're convening this group and then we're trying to showcase all of the ways that Atlantans can get involved over the course of about 10 days surrounding that King holiday. And so we create a, um, a website, it's mlkatl.org. Um, and anyone in the Atlanta community can go to that website and they can find all of the opportunities to engage across any of those partners, plus our other 150 nonprofits who are mm -hmm. also going to be activating across um, that week of service. So one of the other things that we do um, every year for the MLK Days of Service is this event called the MLK Sunday Supper. Mm -hmm. And it is really an intentional way for us to bring people in community to have a conversation about something that is both respectful of Dr. King's work and his vision for the beloved community, but also something that's really pulled from the headlines that's an issue really impacting our community. Uh, and we've done everything from the Poor People's Campaign campaign to sports activism right before the Super Bowl was here in Atlanta, cool. um, to the Cradle to Prison Pipeline. Mm -hmm. um, this year we're tackling housing equity. We know that affordable housing and housing in general is such a big challenge for our Atlanta community. So, so we're gonna be having a conversation about what it really means to have a home mm -hmm. and how that impacts all kinds of aspects of your life. And so we're really excited to have the mayor and we have Natasha Reed Rice and we have some amazing performances. Um, it's gonna be a really um, incredible evening as well. So that's another really signature part of the way. So when you, when you add it all together, uh, really, you know, MLK Days of Service is an opportunity to really think about Dr. King and what his vision for that beloved community is yeah. 
And how can we as individuals take those steps to try to make it come true? I love that term too, beloved community. It's very impactful when you sit with it. Um, so I know you talked a little bit at the beginning too, well, to kind of close out, um, ways to be involved beyond just the physical volunteering, like ways that you are providing people to be civically engaged. Talk a little bit about that and, you know, just how the Atlanta community can continue to support you guys moving forward. Yeah. So we had this idea to go beyond volunteering. Um, we, we created a another imperfect term, which is we call civic engagement. Um, and what it means to us is just all of the ways in which people can live a full civic life. Mm -hmm. And it's everything from voting, right? We have an upcoming midterm election or a runoff that's gonna happen. So we'd yep. encourage everyone to vote in the December runoff. Um, so voting is very important, how people use their purchasing power in order to support their interests, yeah. the kinds of jobs and opportunities people take. So I mentioned our AmeriCorps program. That's a paid um, stipended program. So you're not earning what you would get if you were in a full-time job. But it's paid, so it's not by definition truly a volunteer mm -hmm. role, but you're definitely being of service to the community. We host an after-school program. We support the ACLU in recruiting poll workers. So um, again, I mentioned civic dinners or this inclusive platform, sitting around and having a conversation about housing equity or the cradle to prison pipeline. You wouldn't leave those opportunities and necessarily say, oh yeah, I'm volunteering, mm -hmm. but you're definitely doing something that is good for the Atlanta community. So that's this kind of broader bucket that we really care about of trying to get folks to just be really intentional in how they use their time and talent to get involved in the community. Um, but on our platform, you'll find everything from the very traditional, I'm gonna go on a Saturday or a Tuesday to go mentor or tutor a child, to uh, digital volunteering, where I'm going to use my iPhone and get connected with someone in the Atlanta community who might need, uh, maybe they're a refugee or an immigrant who needs help translating. And if you speak oh. a second language, you could get a phone call from someone who's in a moment of crisis needing someone to help them translate. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of opportunities for people to really get involved really across the spectrum from very short micro volunteering to spending an entire year of really serving in one of our schools and one of our nonprofits. That's amazing. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add that we didn't cover that you just feel like people really need to know about? I, you know, I just want everyone in Atlanta to feel that sense of responsibility for their neighbors. And especially as we're now coming out of this pandemic and there's an opportunity to kind of open our community up again, I want people to be thankful, be thoughtful about how they're really spending their time. Mm -hmm. And I think that everyone has more time than they imagine. I think there's this sense that we're also overwhelmed and yeah. um, there's just so many things going on, but, but there is a lot of need in the Atlantic community and I, and I want our community to really continue to try to fill those needs. Follow the Hands-On team on social media at HandsOnATL. And be sure to visit their website, handsonatlanta.org, to see volunteer opportunities near you. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. Make sure and follow the show on social media at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. This year, we have another new video series to coincide with the Our City, Our Story theme, which can be found on all our social media platforms. Subscribe to the Atlanta Born and Brand YouTube channel for that content and more. Lastly, if you love the show, please spread the word. Share it with your friends and leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. 
Your support helps make sure that more and more people hear the stories of all those folks doing great things all over the city. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see y'all soon.